Hello, everyone. This is Nick Desai, and welcome to today's episode of Nick's Notes. Uh, we have the great privilege of talking to my friend, uh, accomplished physician, and now author, Dr. Shantanu Nundi, who wrote this incredibly insightful book, Care After COVID. Dr. Nundi, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you on the program. Uh, can you tell us uh, what was the motivation to write this book? What was the initial thought that got you to think, I want to write a book about care after COVID? Yeah, no, I, I definitely had no plan at all <laughs> of writing a book. But what happened was, you know, as people, you and I, who are kind of innovating on the front lines of care, you know, early in the pandemic, I had an idea. And like entrepreneurs, like we are, like I had to run the idea to ground. <laughs> and um, that idea was around at-home testing. And I started writing about it. I started talking about it. Um, and that sort of became a, an obsession of mine for a little period of time. And through that process, what I realized was that someone had never really done writing in a meaningful way was that people just don't understand where healthcare really needs to go, mm -hmm. right? Like they talk about it at a super high level. But when people were pushing back vehemently at, at home testing, I just realized, wow, like there's a lot of education and advocacy we need to have. Yeah. And that's what really got me to write pen to paper. Awesome. And what is the core thesis? If there are two to three core takeaways and thesis of your book, what is it? Yeah. So the setup is really that if we choose to, this can be a catalytic moment to change healthcare, right? It's a once in a century pandemic, but it's also a once in a century opportunity to reimagine care. And that's for two reasons, right? The first is everybody, people in healthcare, people outside of it, all understand viscerally how broken it is. Number two is that actually healthcare has accelerated in a good way in the past year uh, with virtual care, distributed care, home care, like you guys did. Mm. And so then, then the question is, well, where do we have to go? And I created a really simple mnemonic, the three Ds that healthcare has to become distributed, digitally enabled and decentralized. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally in, in a distributed, digitally enabled and decentralized, and I love those, the, the three Ds, right, uh, of healthcare, which when I read your book, I really liked that positioning and, and I, of course, agree with the core of it, but what role does the government versus insurance play if we do use this as a catalytic moment, right? Do we need to go to Medicare for all? Does private insurance play a role? Where, where does it come in? Because this yeah. is a question I get asked more often than any other. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to sidestep the question on some degree, because I think that we as a country have become... I think in some respects too focused on what I consider a healthcare financing problem, right? Like, and, and to be super clear, like I think no amount of innovation, no amount of technology is going to change the fact that we desperately, desperately need universal health insurance and access for everyone in this country. And that is a role for government in a massive way. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to get into the specific ways of doing that. And I think that, look, even if today you have Medicare, like healthcare sucks, Right. Even if you have like a Cadillac, you know, mm. insurance plan and, and, and employer healthcare sucks. And I think that while we ensure that everyone has access and we solve this financing problem, we also have to contend with the delivery problem. Yep. 
And when I talk to people like Nick, I, I just say simple things like last, like, do you have a doctor? When was the last time you saw one? Like how long into the conversation did, with the doctor before he or she interrupted you? Right. Like, and, and I think everyone will like nod their head and say, well, we want to talk about that problem mm. today. Yes. Medicare for all. Yes. And universal health insurance, whatever, but that's, that's a different problem. And we need to solve that problem too. Yeah. And you know, it is honestly, you're preaching to the choir and Jared, you've heard me talk about this before the, because at every level, state, local, federal, what politicians talk about is who's going to pay for it, right? Not how it does it cost so much? Why does it cost so much in the first place? And especially not just be, if you have Medicare, doesn't mean you can find a doctor. It doesn't mean you have access to great care. It doesn't mean you're not to use your remote monitoring device or which medication you're supposed to take. You 25% of people, I learned this at Yale, 25% of seniors who are on an asthma inhaler for, you know, asthma attacks, don't push down before they suck in, right? That's an astounding number to me, but it is not a problem that there's no amount of money that can solve that problem, right? Yeah, so, no, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. So in your, in your future world, is digital delivery a primary or a secondary vehicle for delivery? As in, is this the first place I get healthcare or the place I get healthcare after I saw a doctor in a physical setting? No, it's a great question. So I purposely use the word distributed. You notice I didn't say virtual, I didn't say home-based, I say distributed because to me, the core concept is we have to meet people where they are. And yeah, for a lot of people that's online, but for a lot of people that's in their homes or a lot of people that's in their church or their barbershop, right? And so to me, that's the core construct. And I think we, we can't go from one size fits all solution, which is see me in clinic to one size fits all, which is see me online. And so I think the answer is it depends on the population you're talking about, what their needs are, and what their preferences are, yep. what that delivery model should be. Now, regardless of the delivery model, technology should enable that. But some of that technology enablement may be purely to the health worker. Yeah. Some of it may be to the individual patient. But again, that's going to depend on the context. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I think when you when you say that, I the way I always put it is it's an all of the above answer. Right. While I think that the doctor's office, the clinic, per se, is going to go the way of the blockbuster store. Right. I think it's going to Walmart and Target and CVS and the near site clinics, because for some people going to Walmart means picking up everything and doing everything you're supposed to do, including seeing your doctor. But it can also be that it's you start a relationship in a Walmart and you talk to that doctor by video and someone's monitoring you here and some digital tool helps you. But they're all universally connected, which is obviously our our core thesis. Right. So if you had to pick a single biggest hindrance to the world you want to create in this book, right? A digital decentralized distributed healthcare world that works for everybody. What is that single biggest impediment? Yeah. Oh man. I wish I could pick two. Uh, pick two. I, okay. Awesome. If I get to pick two, the first is, um, is actually the monopolization of healthcare. I think regulators are sleeping at the wheel right now as Provider systems are becoming bigger monopolies. Insurers are basically becoming bigger. Like the monopolization of healthcare is the biggest deterrent, I think, to innovation. And right. I think the second one is leadership. 
Like, I honestly think for all the brilliant, brilliant people in healthcare, we lack leadership. Uh, we lack the courage to say, this is what we should do. And like, that's where we're going. There's a lot of the lemmings yeah. problem in healthcare, if you ask me. Yep. And look no further than simple things like, you know, drive-through testing. You don't actually need payment changes or regulatory changes to do drive-through testing. Why did it take us so long yeah. to do something like that? It works in fee-for-service. It's yeah. an amazing fee-for-service model. Yeah. But why aren't we doing that? I think it's because we don't lead. Yeah. And and I think I think that problem is, they're two related problems, right? Because as there are less innovators and less smaller and community hospitals and independent smaller insurance companies and independent health systems, but they're all sucked into the Borg of these big giant companies. There's more and more corporate institutional, slow bureaucratic decision-making and everyone wants to, that's why you see these health tech solutions. They get a few customers and all of a sudden they have hundreds because everyone jumps on the bandwagon because everyone, no one wants to be first and no one wants to really actually try something new. Right. So I, I completely agree with with both of those. And I, I think they're related. And the one I would add is and it's sort of part of the the sort of lack of competition is doctors becoming part of employees of insurance companies to me fundamentally is a conflict of interest. Right. Um, so I, I think that that's one. And what makes you most hopeful? Yeah, I actually think what we've been able to accomplish during this pandemic makes me hopeful, right? Like I've been practicing medicine for about 15 years. When I look at my clinical practice, it hasn't changed in 14 of those years. The first time it changed really was during the pandemic, right? Yeah. The shift to virtual, the partnering with churches for the vaccinations, yep. the use of data. And I think that part of what gives me hope is... Um, I sometimes describe us as medicine's greatest generation. Like I actually right. think that we've all gotten a master's in public health this past year. We've yeah. all basically been in a startup because every week my, my clinic was changing yep. their protocols and changing. We need to now take the muscles we've built, the collaboration that we've established and the leadership that we've basically demonstrated and now apply it to the business, the usual business of healthcare beyond this pandemic. Yep. So that gives me hope. Yeah, and, and I think that one of the things that a few political zealots notwithstanding, one of the things that we've learned is that we are all in this together. And what applies to COVID applies to cancer and applies to diabetes and applies to cholesterol 100%. and applies to everything else, right? My neighbor's health is my health and vice versa, right? We're, we're, we're all one giant community and globally interconnected now. So tell us, Dr. Nindy, where can we get your book? It's a great book. I strongly recommend it. If you listen to this podcast, you should read this book. You will learn something. Where can you get it? And how do we help you make it a New York Times bestseller? Oh, it's really nice of you. Um, yeah, it's 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 available now. So on Amazon, Porchlight, um, pick your favorite place. Um, or you can go to my website. It's careaftercovid.org. And uh, you can read some of the other writings I've done and then also get the book from there. All the links will be below everyone. And honestly, it's a it's a quick read in the best sense of the word, but extremely informative. And I, I really genuinely enjoyed reading it. And there are very, very few people I say that about in healthcare, because most people are like talking in the same circles and the same buzzwords of nonsense. Thank you, Dr. Nindy. It was a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you so much. It's really great to, to be on. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thanks, and Gary. we're out. 